but you're thrown into being and we could take that in a number of ways someone might see it as like a burden like i didn't ask to exist and here i am right so like screw this whole life thing i'm just gonna like sit in my room and listen to emo for a while <laughs> or you could have a disposition of gratitude and just see everything as a pure gift and i think golf you have to like go into the first tee like none of us should ever say like oh i have to play golf today mm. Welcome to the Golfer's Journal podcast presented by Titleist, the number one ball in golf. Tom Coyne here, your host and your guide today as we walk the fairways alongside the greatest minds in history. No, I'm not talking about the events team here at Golfer's Journal. I'm talking about philosophers from Aristotle to Immanuel Kant to Marcus Aurelius. And we're going to see how their ideas might overlap with those of other names like Woods and Nicholas and Mickelson and yourself. Golfer's Journal contributor Matt Cheminsky, fine philosopher in his own right, he's going to walk us through the connections between philosophy and golf and help us understand how the big ideas from history can help us get our ball into the hole in the gr- into a hole in the ground a little more quickly without having to hit a practice shot or do a sit-up or anything. But before we jump into exercising our minds with Matt, some exciting stuff going on here in the Broken Tea Society, Wright Thompson is joining the BTS Discord book club on January 26th to discuss his book, Pappy Land. Now remember, Discord, the Broken Tea Society, Discord is the server, it is free for all Golfer's Journal members. It is our virtual clubhouse. You've been hearing about it where, you know, we're seeing folks join up to it at a, a pace that would be the envy of any golf club in the world, really. So log on, jump into the conversations. There's much more going on there than a message board. Things like, in fact... This discussion with Wright Thompson, perhaps one of the biggest names in nonfiction out there. So pretty exciting stuff. Again, that's on the 26th. Uh, Broken Tea Society, it's also the place where you can go and talk about our upcoming events. What a great event list we have for 2022. Prairie Dunes, sold out, sold out quickly. We knew it would. But Gamble Sands, Capital City, and Boiling Springs are all dropping in January. So check out the events page on golfersjournal.com. And all those dates and more info is there for you know when to log on to try and get your spot. Uh, hoping to save, <laughs> hold spots for as many people as we absolutely can. The, the demand's been tremendous and we really appreciate that. If you're going to get to play all these wonderful places in 2022, of course you want to make sure you're doing so with irons that are played by more touring pros than any other iron in the world. Uh, and those would be Titleists. Every T-Series iron is designed, the new T-Series, designed with maximum performance and three key factors for all your approach shots, which would be distance, dispersion, and angle of descent. The three Ds right there. That last one, descent, that was a big one in my fitting to make sure that I was I was putting irons in my bag that were going to hold the greens. Important, right? And your authorized Titleist fitter is going to help you find that right combination of T-Series models to unlock your ability not only to hit it farther, but hit it closer too. So visit Titleist.com, find your fitter. Uh, I did, and I'm my T100S. Wow, game changer. Just like the T100, look like a blade. A little stronger though. Absolutely love them. Could be my forever iron. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to Titleist, Link Soul, Footjoy, Oakley, Links and Kings, and Scotty Cameron for their continued support. And now I want you to open your mind and come join me in the land of big ideas where we'll find that history's greatest minds might have been pretty damn good golfers. 
If only they'd spent a little more time on their short game. So Matt, welcome to the Golfist. This is the first time that I've been able to record. I've always wanted to, you know, have a full podcast recording here in Coin Studios, um, in coming to you live from Devon, Pennsylvania. So awesome that you're able to come over. Cutting out from school early. Yeah, got out. You're you're a good excuse. When you mention Tom Coin at Archmere, it opens doors, exit well, doors. Yeah. It, it exits doors. The teachers <laughs> get to blow off their classes and come over early. My alma mater, my high school, where you teach, which is pretty awesome. Um, also the 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 alma mater of one Joe Biden. So definitely not the most notable of alumni. Um, you gotta be top five though. Top hundred. I've been told. <laughs> and go Ox football because That's this right. is, uh, as we're recording this, Archmere is going for the state championship. You know, people probably wouldn't believe, Matt, that I was. Let's just talk about my glory days let's at Archmere yes. rather than philosophy. Sounds good. Because um, they wouldn't believe that football was my, my game as a high schooler, uh, that I was all Catholic at Archmere. You're in the golfers though, so you can see the trophy over there. I see the Evolution it. Memorial Award. It's a wonderful piece right over there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Holding up some artwork, maybe your yeah. daughters, yeah. Um you know, they might not believe that I used to crack skulls and um all over the state of Delaware. But uh it's true. And I am looking forward to I haven't been back to a game in a while, so maybe try and catch it this weekend. It's streaming, so it is streaming. You can do that. Well, I'll be watching it from home then. Go, <laughs> go Archmere. But enough about enough about me. Let's talk about me some more. No, the we're here to talk philosophy. And what's cool is, you know, you're you're a pro when it comes to philosophy. You're is the closest thing to a professional that I know. Well, we'll we'll try to introduce you to some like real philosophers then at some point yes no absolutely i'll 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 be the low bar um only up from here no 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 (laughs) uh teaching theology to archmere philosophy um you're the chair of the theology department is that correct that's right yeah also moderate the uh, golf club which you got to enjoy last week that is the key uh the big responsibility the big job you've got there i think it's such a cool thing the manor avenue golf club that i got to uh, play a few holes with. Um, I believe we, our team, did we tie for first? We tied for first, and uh, you, you didn't. Well, well, the prize. It was our biggest purse ever. Two signed copies of a course called America. That is a pretty outrageous purse. It was huge, and uh, you felt you, you felt a little something in the conscience that it wouldn't be right for you to bring home your own book. I could have used it though, because I can just flip those things right on eBay. That's right. Um, but no. The, <laughs> but the, we didn't have a playoff hole, but we tied two teenagers, and you're like, well, you know, you're minors, so we should <laughs> let, let you win. I know. So, yeah, and they were – what a great group. I mean, you had – gosh, you had like 20 kids come out on a freezing yeah. cold afternoon. And what it is is it's sort of a made-up golf course around the campus uh, where you're playing with foam balls and you're playing with one club. So right. it's just such a cool thing. I mean, gosh, every – Every high school should have impromptu fun golf. And and I think the lesson of it was that it was just fun. It wasn't like going to PE right. and sucking at golf. It was just it didn't it didn't matter. Um it was just a chance to do something fun and different around campus. So, well, we've regaled the Archmere fans with with a good amount of story there. We should probably get to what we've come here to the golfers to explore. 
And it's appropriate that we're here because when I feel like getting philosophical, I mean, this is generally where I find myself. You're, you're over on the other side of the golf is on the, uh, on the, the couch where I'll chill out and, and get philosophical. It's actually where I nap. That's, that's the <laughs> napping couch. Um, the golf holes over here. That's, this is the action area, um, where I get down to business and then the, the writing and the recording and stuff over here. But, um, golf and philosophy. So you've written some stuff for the golfers journal of, quite a philosophical bent and we wanted to dig a little bit deeper because you know golf is a game that sort of lends itself to it lends itself to philosophical takes whether it be the pace of the game being out in nature golfers tend to be sort of a thoughtful lot mm-hmm. um so that that sort of crossover and connection between golf and and the mind and philosophy the life of the mind and all that is a pretty pretty easy one to make sometimes sure. maybe too easy Correct. where the, the these notions of golf is life and life is golf and you know because you can't cheat at life and you can't cheat at golf you know that sort of pop philosophy like birthday card stuff right uh, i mean that's there and that's not necessarily wrong or, or untrue but what we're going to talk about we're, we're going to dig, dig a little bit more deeply uh into the areas where golf i think and philosophy intersect mm-hmm. um i think we need to kick it off by establishing the best of the great philosophers who would have been the best stick of the bunch? Hmm. Who would have been the best player in your estimation? Um, since, you know, my my philosophy sort of stops freshman year, I'll be honest. Um, and then I roll into Shakespeare and a little bit into the existentialist because I got into Beckett. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think Beckett would have been a really good golfer. I think he would have um it would have been a very slow round, a very tedious <laughs> sort of round. Have you ever seen the Money Python skit of uh philosophers playing soccer? No, I haven't. And the whistle blows <laughs> and and it, the ball doesn't move. They just walk around. <laughs> yeah. It's it's phenomenal until Marx gets in towards the end as the Germans versus the Greeks and uh you have to watch it. But um oh, to your point, awesome. yeah, the philosopher type could uh make for a uh, a slow partner. Who could play though? If you would say, "All right, this this outlook or this take on things kind of feels golfy to me, um, and might and might be might be useful." I think we could begin at the beginning with Socrates. You know, I think there might be something there, or as the academics call him, Socrates. <laughs> That's right. Of course. I mean, he's walking around Athens. He doesn't quite have an occupation. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got the leisure time available to him. Yet he knew the value of physical activity. Although maybe he would have seen him as too much of a distraction. Aristotle and his followers are called the peripatetics because they like to walk around while they thought and talked. So you got the walking element there. Okay. Of course, they don't have another option like we do. There's no uh, easy go-kart <laughs> waiting for them that they, that they just blow past. I, I know who would make for, for um, a golfer that would be rather neurotic. I think that'd be Soren Kierkegaard. Kierkegaard. Yeah, he seems to be way too caught up in... And just making life hard for himself. Yeah. The, and, so he might be the golfer that we are, you know. Right. <laughs> as, as most of us make this simple game far too complicated. What's Kierkegaard's, Kierkegaard's deal? I hear He comes up in, I don't know, at Notre Dame he would pop up a lot. Sure. Is there a Catholic element there? 
He's uh, he's a Lutheran Christian that has okay. strong criticisms of the Lutheran Church of his of his time and his place. So he's very much an ardent Christian that is nonetheless a critic of Christianity okay. as sort of being, you know, basically getting getting too, I don't know, rotund, too too easy, you know, mm-hmm. making it too palatable to the to the sensibilities of the time. And sort of neglecting or or looking away from the more radical elements of following following the gospel. So, I think he was trying to cut through a lot of the BS, sort sort of the socially acceptable Christianity okay. of his day. So, I mean, he's definitely going to make you think about yourself, which is why he's sometimes credited as sort of like the big as one of the sort of founding lights, if you can call them that, of existentialism. Okay, you know, because right. he's going to ask those deep questions about what it means to be human. Um, so but he's think, on the golf course. He's gonna be. He's gonna be stuck, man. Yeah, he's, I don't. I don't know if you he's want gonna to be stuck in his head. Hang out too much with Kierkegaard on the golf course. He's no fun. Yeah, I mean Aristotle could be good. I mean he's definitely about the way of moderation, but but still in pursuit of excellence. Yeah, you know, not too much this, not too much that, but the virtuous middle. So I think he could be a good, good sort of mental game partner. Level is where we want to get. Right. You know, on the golf course. Um, I mean, cause you, your go let and your golf history, you're a dedicated player, man. Um, we've played some golf together. Mm-hmm. You play this game very well. And, um, where do you see, you know, but you're also, you know, a man of the mind. So where are some of these areas where you see golf and philosophy intersecting, you know, in the most sort of interesting ways? Yeah. I think. It's interesting to me to think about golf as a way of thinking about the human person. It's sort of like if you say to someone randomly on the street, like Socrates might, like, what is the human being and mm-hmm. what are we for? It's it's very, it can get very vague in general and you get sort of bogged down in the, I don't know, there's sort of like a little quagmire you might find yourself in. But I think there's something about uh, an activity like golf that it provides a venue th- within which we can think about very important questions about what it means to be human human being in community, human being um, that desires to know its purpose in the here and the now and going forward. Um, and I think there's some elements of what golf is that make it really a rather rich um, focusing lens on the human person. So just the fact that we're out there doing something that from one angle is really rather ridiculous, you know, take the stick hit the sphere into the <laughs> cylinder that's like yeah. 400 yards away that right. you can't really see. And oh yeah, we put like some sand there, <laughs> even though this is not an area where sand normally is. Uh, and oh yeah, there's a pond up there that we kind of dug out. Um, so, but I think it speaks to sort of the gratuity of just existence as such. Like we have to face it, like none of us had to exist. Like none of us are completely necessary for being, right? Correct. And so we're thrown into existence. That's like Heidegger right there. I don't think he'd be, he, he's another one I want to want to really play golf with. Um, but you're thrown into being and we could take that in a number of ways. Someone might see it as like a burden, like I didn't ask to exist and here I am. Right. So like screw this whole life thing. I'm just going to like sit in my room and listen to emo for a while. <laughs> or you could have a disposition of gratitude and just see everything as a pure gift. And I think golf, you have to, like, going to the first tee, like, none of us should ever say, like, oh, I have to play golf today. Mm. 
mm-hmm. even though we might sometimes I feel like that. But I remember like one of the first golf books I really got into was Harvey Penick's Little Red Book, mm-hmm. which is so good for lots of reasons, both the yeah. practical and also sort of this broader vision stuff. And one of his, you know, someone he knew was complaining about having to play that day. It's like, well, you, you get to play golf. And the fact that we play is rather interesting. Like it, it's it's totally impractical. Yet it's so noble and good. And for me, it's interesting to think about golf as this world that we've both discovered and, and shaped and created. And you've done, I, I don't know, your, your Ireland and Scotland books have done such a great job for me of high, sort of trying to get toward an understanding of something of the origin of golf. Mm-hmm. And it just seems so happenstantial, but it's, it's, I think it's sort of an artifact of human creativity, sort of like just in the moment, like we're just standing around. Right. Let's do something interesting that is both enjoyable, enjoyable, but also like purposeful. It's like, no, you got to get that thing over there and in that hole in as few strokes as possible. And you want to do it better than your body. Right. But you should at the same time just enjoy it knowing that. It, this is something that you don't you didn't have to do it's something you're choosing to do it's a delightful thing and i think that just highlights something of what we're all what we should be about as human beings um and that we're meant for something more than just the humdrum and every day and, and sort of eminently practical um we're meant for something that goes uh, beyond that so and then there's i mean there's so much but i'll kind of well golf and it's a great and golf is a great reminder of that absolutely yeah. but throughout words like Golf as like sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Golf as meaning. Yeah. Which kind of for me, I guess, kind of come together. Absolutely. Um, and golf and identity. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it can. It's it's a game, and it's a reminder of our humanity, and it's a reminder of our utility and our and 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 this and this playful purpose. Uh, this thing we get to play at. Um, but for some of us, it's also a sort of reminder of um, who we are. Is yeah. that like to go, is that taking it too far or is that unhealthy? I don't know. I mean, I, I have a hard time to separating a notion of myself, thinking of myself without golf in the world. Yeah. And, and which is, as you said, a really kind of a silly pursuit. Yeah. But I, I think there's a nobility in the silliness at the same time. I, th- yeah. I, I would agree with that. And, like I, I, a phrase I've had in my mind is just that golf is useless, meaning that it's not for some pragmatic purpose, mm-hmm. some some sort of base use, like the pen or the cup or whatever, the car. Um, but there's something that goes beyond the the calculative elements of life, and that's the really good, rich stuff of life. And yeah. we do begin to identify ourselves according to those things that we pursue. And yeah, I think it's a good thing to identify ourselves as golfers, right? And, and that this is something that shapes our life and shapes our relationships. And I think there's a particular sort of golf type shape to f- friendships, right? There's the golf yeah. friend, right? you know? <laughs> yeah. And you know, my wife, you know, you know, wonders sometimes, well, you spent like four hours or five hours with your dad, like, how's he doing? I don't know. I have no idea how he's how for he's five doing. hours. He was up and walking around and able to hit a golf ball. Yeah, so I mean, he's doing he, well enough. He shot like an eighty-six. He's doing great. That's how know? well he's doing. exactly. <laughs> um, so I think there's something really good. It, it lends a certain shape to our lives, and I think a, a rather good one. But to your, uh, you know, sort of the flip side of that, like if we get overly identified with like the numerical 
uh-huh. and the measurable, like my handicap. Like, I think there's something good. Like, I want to improve my handicap, but like, if I get too stuck on that thing, right, could, we could go into some dark places. Like, then that, we're getting away from maybe the philosophical things that you know that we're getting out of golf, and then moving in toward the analytical and the sort of just the the numbers experience, like. I remember I got into that book, you know, every shot counts Mm -hmm. and you know, where sort of strokes gained. And that's definitely a rabbit hole that you can, you can go down. And I, there's no doubt that I think you can improve your score by playing according to certain, you know, certain approaches and styles and making certain informed choices. Um, But I don't know then I, I don't think that I'm, if I'm doing too much of that, I'm closing off my mind and my eyes and my ears to all this other stuff that I don't get that I that I'm getting because I'm just choosing to spend four hours in a relatively quiet environment doing something physical uh in nature right and what else I don't there's not too many other things where I get where I get to do that and there's lots of gifts that come from that ideas inspirations etc um which also takes us to the sort of argument of the walking versus the you know we, we both prefer to I, I know, yeah, we, we're walkers we're walk for, for sure. sure. For that reason, what are some of those gifts that you think of, me- those mental sort of gifts that we get from taking this time away from where most of us are able to turn off our phones for four hours right? and, and get out there and, uh, and, and let the mind wander as we chase the golf ball? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the greatest gifts is the companionship and the fellowship and the type of fellowship that you get out. I mean, it's competitive, but it's not some zero sum game. It's not like if, if this guy hits a good shot, I can't hit a still yet better shot, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think there's something about, there's nothing, there, there's sort of this, this going beyond just the finite resource grab game that even uh, sports like, I don't know, basketball and football. And, and to a degree, like my opponent can really thwart my efforts, like block my shot sure. against the backboard and whatnot. And, so I think there's a certain type of competitive fellowship that you can still rejoice in in your 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 friend's great putt, even if it wins them the match. You mm-hmm. know, uh, so there's something there with that fellowship and friendship. If you're a loser, <laughs> no, but yes, you absolutely can. Um, and then there's something about the continuity, especially for a lot of us that learn the game from a parent, or as a father, or mother, or whatever. And you think about well, my grandpa played golf too, and you know, and there's that that sort of tradition. Not in sort of the ossified, stultified, sort of just museum piece stuff, but like, no, a living, breathing heritage that I now get to carry on. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a particular way of enjoying the natural world that the golfer has a vantage point on that others don't. In a way, we get to like shape the world as our playground. And I think it's indicative of how different people or different designers and architects approach that. Uh, as to how we view our relationship with the natural world um is it there for us to put a you know sort of force into submission or do we work you know work along with it and uh, maybe accentuate it at times and move some dirt around and that's all good but as we're on we're on the course i think you can just kind of take it in you take the leaves and over the course of the year you know the bare trees that we have now there's something beautiful about that you know the trees they're going to come in in the spring and then the full vibrancy of october you know in this area you just get to be thankful for that and that's to be to be grateful for being on the course is itself a gift that we ought to be grateful for you know uh, no doubt about it and gratitude yeah gratitude's always the word man yeah. 
when we think about that, you just brought up something really interesting though, GCA in philosophy, golf course architecture and the way golf courses are built, presented, the way that they feel, the way that they're shaped and how that has philosophical components. You know, we talk about, yeah, there are certain design philosophies, right? Um, but they're, that idea is usually like kind of small. It's, it's like, Oh, someone likes to use, uh, not move as much dirt or someone likes to use, uh, railroad ties, you know, like mm -hmm. that's their, right. you know, their design philosophies or, or these design philosophies of, you know, the penal, etc. you know, uh, playable versus this, like, I guess that big, the idea starts to get bigger when you talk about those kinds of ideas. Sure. Um, but how do you see, what do you, well, what design philosophies do you particularly enjoy and where do you see like philosophy playing a role maybe in the way a golf course like looks or is designed? Yeah. I'm definitely drawn to playability. Playability is good. We all, yeah. <laughs> Personal limitations. Fun of and game. playability are uh, key. Playability. Um, yeah. I mean, I want holes to be fair, the challenging, interesting, um I, I mean I'm, I'm one of many droves of people that love sweetens cove mm -hmm. but at the same time whenever i get a chance to play marion and and wrestle that bear yeah for and, sure and uh you know i know the number is gonna be higher than the local muni score that i'm gonna post but there's something appreciable there yeah so are we talking about does that like golf course style or golf or like design styles or like design philosophies like what when we say philosophy what are we actually talking about yeah yeah so we can i don't know it's like the broadest way for human beings to approach reality i think which is why we start to we start to carve it up in the different sub disciplines of like political philosophy and aesthetics and uh -huh. ethics and epistemology metaphysics etc so i think but when we talk about like a game like golf and its relationship to the philosophical, I think we're ultimately looking for a sense of meaning and purpose for the human person and the human person in community. You know, we're one golfer amongst many and we play this game on a natural landscape that has no rival in any other sport mm -hmm. really uh, in the way that we do it. And so I think we always have to keep tied together sort of the playing of the game along with the broader, bigger questions. So like an infinity green has strategic elements to it in that you don't have a backstop and your eyes a little messed with and all that. Yet at the same time, it does sort of point to some horizon beyond the course, right? Absolutely. Um, and mounding, you know, and hiding and, and this theme of discovery and like, I don't remember being down, you know, I was walk, walking with my brother-in-law along the sort of Calusa Pines, which is a very manufactured course down in Florida, but mm -hmm. meant to look natural in a way although you know it's not but there's sort of an undulation sort of wave-like element of the fairways down there and you're like you feel like you're discovering the thing one step at a time and so there's sort of this i don't know i think golf is is it makes this grand promise of meaning and it can't ultimately deliver on it by itself but it sort of pushes us or points to us things that we have to pursue outside of the game oh wow that's really well said what would some of those things be in your estimation? I think friendship is one, right? And yeah. how, I mean, one of the great documenters right now of golf friendship are the No Laying Up crew, mm -hmm. you know, and, and kind of what all that could mean. Um, I mean, your, your, your golf travel books are great examples of the pursuit of golf, yet it's not about golf, but mm -hmm. it can't 
not be about golf at the same time <laughs> right <laughs> right people places yeah you know, the things those the, the sort of elements of um yeah i mean golf like from the writing perspective i mean golf allows me to touch to contact all these other touch points that as a writer w- where i really want to be i, w- I want to be with characters facing obstacles yeah. you know and, yeah. and golf gives us an endless supply of obstacles i mean story is about crises um so golf the first tee is a pretty damn good crisis (laughs) i don't care how good you are you know the idea of you're going to stick this thing in a hole 500 yards away by hitting it with a stick four times is that's a problem (laughs) so it immediately gives you that it gives you people and it gives you with and all their their journey that they're on um i think the aesthetic though really stands out to me and how we experience beauty it's not some sort of veneer that we sort of clothe things in that are sort of more, more pragmatic, but is this ultimate human value that, and this kind of goes back to a more platonic understanding of beauty, but there's times where beauty like makes us suffer. Like it's so beautiful that it hurts and mm. makes us desire the more, you know, and, you know, capital M more, uh, the transcendent. And I think golf can give us that at times, whether it's sort of a quiet moment, and you're looking out over, you know, uh, you know, an ocean view or, or lake view or whatever, or a mountain in the distance, or just a leaf falling to the ground during fall golf. And um, but there's also beautiful shots, like whether it's your, most especially your own, right? You have this vision in your mind, and it's rhythmic, it's proportional, it's it's clear. And those are sort of traditionally qualities that we've ascribed to beauty throughout the tradition. And then you actually execute it. And then your head lifts up and you see this thing hanging in the distance that's there because of you mm. and you did it right? right and it's hanging there and um there's just that moment of feeling of accomplishment and of belonging in the world and you have this feeling that uh, there's something meaningful that just transpired and then and then it falls short into the bunker <laughs> and then the comedic element breaks through right and I mean, I, it's sort of this microcosm, and you know, I we've talked about this. We both sort of have a have a nervousness or anxiety or a disdain to a degree over the golf as life metaphor because it can both cheapen golf and life. Correct. But that's usually when it's in in words and prose. Right. But when you have it in the moment, you know it. Yes. It's just the writer sometimes butchers the thing that he wanted to or she wanted to communicate, but it's incommunicable. Yet we all know it's there. Exactly. Exactly. When you try to force it down my throat and explain to me that because you went birdie bogey, <laughs> that's how life goes. You know, like that's that's not. Yeah. But there is some truth in yeah. like what you just described um, that this this movement between this awareness that you get of something bigger than yourself. I think mm-hmm. that that's philosophically, I, you know, I, I, I can't put it into words in any other way. But you know it when you experience it and you feel it when you have those moments of and sometimes it's, you know, you have to be golfing alone on some romantic landscape. And it and, and if everything strikes you right, there is that 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 awareness of there's something bigger than you in the universe. And that's that's a pretty cool thing. Um, but it can also come from a, go- a good golf shot. Yeah. You know, like when something goes exactly as this really difficult endeavor that you failed at so many times when something goes exactly according to its plan even the provident like you know you can look at a hole in one it's just sheer luck or or pure providence yeah you know so depending on your point of view yeah 
uh, when everything in, in the universe has aligned uh, yeah. and and is is with you in what you're doing. Um, that's pretty powerful, powerful experience for sure. But yeah, I love how you're talking like that point of that that awareness of. Um, for me, like in in some of my travels, whether it be Ireland or Scotland or where whatever, there's moments out there in the dunes. It's part of why I like Lynx golf because of just the the horizon is everywhere. You know, there's right. you're you're just the, the view and the the scope of everything is yeah. just endless. Right. Especially on some of these really far flung oceanside golf courses, and there's just awareness of like um how small you are. Right. In a really, in one sense, that could be frightening uh or intimidating uh but in another sense is actually pretty liberating mm -hmm. you know because there's there's a lot of freedom that comes from deciding that you don't run the whole damn universe right it's a pretty good thing <laughs> yeah. like when i figured that out and it's pretty recently when i figured it out uh that the whole world didn't revolve around me right. uh and that i wasn't responsible for everybody else's happiness mm -hmm. um that's pretty liberating and i think sometimes i you know being out in that setting in in a natural setting golf can remind us of that um not only in the setting but also in the humility yeah. i think that one gains as a golfer and humility is a word it was interesting like when someone once explained to me that humility doesn't actually mean that you believe that you suck right it's 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 and it it means you have actual awareness of your station correct like you you know yourself right and I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. I, I do want humility. Yeah. You know, and golf forces you. It, it forces humility upon you. It 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 wants you tricks wants to, you to believe that you're better than you are, but it will continually remind you exactly how good you are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it will keep telling you what your station is, but it will it will tempt you to believe that it's otherwise. Yeah. Uh, yeah so it was like, what about that element of it? Is golf playing tricks on us? Or is it is it, thankfully is it, it is. messing with us? I, I, think, I think thankfully it, it does play with us, right? Yeah, right. Because um, even though it will remind us of how we are as a player, we sometimes have that grand experience of knowing that we've gotten better. Yeah. Right, which is, which is great. That sense of mastery, not in the sense that you ever master the game, but you do get better and increase in that sense of mastery. I mean, you know, looking at, at your sticks, you know, the clubs are over here. And, you know, you do get a sense of that I can use this implement to make this little sphere do rather amazing things. Mm -hmm. And that comes with any game, like a hockey player experiences this, the lacrosse player. I mean, the first time you pick up a lacrosse stick, it's one of the most awkward things in the world, and then you get really good at it. And so you know what it's like to get good at something without ever having the hubris of thinking that you know this thing completely. Yeah. Right? I think that's a great experience that has ramifications outside. I mean, writing artwork um driving what have you cooking baking what i mean there's so many things right and all those things together make for a life when you mm -hmm. have sort of an over, over overarching sense of what my life is about ultimately this sort of aristotelian teleological end that we're meant for something ultimately and for aristotle it is this excellence and activity this this vibrancy and thriving sensibility of of making good on who you are um so, I mean, you, you, uh, there's so much in what you said just a moment ago, but that experience of being alone on the golf course, whether it's in Scotland or whether it's at this Muni course I go to uh, called Ingleside, that's like, you know, 11 bucks to get out there. And it's just you in the winter with, with, the, with the geese, right? And you're just alone and you feel like you're on this big, grand, vast landscape. Yet 
it's a wonderland at the same time so this is golf playing with our seismic perception um uh you're a giant next to the ball nonetheless mm. and you can send this little thing 270 yards sometimes yeah. and then you stick it two inches sometimes <laughs> increasingly rare maybe to uh <laughs> this little hole that you're trying to get it in so there's something about that and yet you're you're you're, you're an equal to your fellow player and so you have this delight and i yeah. think that is very i mean aristotle's philosophy begins in wonder line is great we we wonder at this thing and philosophy doesn't end in wonder you do want to get it truth ultimately and meaning but i think golf should just at times we should just stand there and just <laughs> just marvel at what we're doing yeah you know um and i but i think you know there, there's some other elements of you know golf as a joint activity um where you fashion rules you fashion this little world and you think about the human scale of things and the golf club and how it's run and there's something about that that's that's very harmonious i think with who we are and what we can know and i, I think it has connections with like political philosophy it's really the, the si just like the size of the body politic right and mm -hmm. how we think we can run things you know as far as like governance goes and how governance ought to be conceived like i love the notion of golf as like sort of discovering law and rule as you go along mm -hmm. like what you mentioned like with the manor avenue golf club you're you're two club lengths away you're in the hole all right and that just developed right we use one club because three was just cumbersome and extravagant and <laughs> and three. it tripled the budget that's right, that's right. <laughs> so i think there's a sense where golf is this little world where wherein we can conceive of the broader world and how it ought to be um conducted i mean donald ross has this great short little essay where he's like you know a nation that has a a, a golf devoted populace shouldn't worry too much about the virtue of its citizens and there he's talking about sort of self-governance and self-rule. Yeah. You know, if you're behind, if you're in the woods, you you can cheat so easy. It's not that like you could do it. So I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> and but you don't, right? right? Um, why? There's a sense of honor. There's a sense of respectability, of virtue, of honesty, of of being true to the game yourself and your playing partner, and that, you know has ramifications for society at large so i think ross was right there yeah it all uh, falls apart otherwise yeah the center cannot hold right what's up yates <laughs> um if we are not that's the thing. i don't pick up that ball and it's not because really you know what I, I well i'd feel guilty or whatever because yeah well, my dad told me it's just because I believe in this game and if we're not going to play it a certain way, it all falls apart. Yeah. And I need this game. And then that's similar, I guess. And, and wouldn't it be not? I guess that's when we're acting our as our best selves. Maybe that's what's motiv motivating us. Or maybe that's just how as a society we need to yeah. uh, work. So that's self-regulation. How we work. Yeah. Um, it's also, I mean, something interesting, though, that just came to mind. That at the same time, when we have a blow-up hole, so I've I've heard people do this. Yeah, they say, <laughs> "Give me a seven. <laughs> the old, give me the newspaper seven. <laughs> but it's done. Like this is what I'm talking about, like scale. Like you're there with three buddies or three strangers, and you all know what that means, right? And there's something about sort of that local. I don't know. By political persuasion, I'm more of a localist, you know. Um, and I love living in Westchester because it seems like you see people face to face as you walk around and you know what goes on and you know what the, the good is for the for the, for that little portion of the world. Mm -hmm. And 
something about golf and that like you all know what's going on with the newspaper seven right. and it's okay like it's not by the books you wouldn't do it during tournament play you know right but on a sunday afternoon when you're just trying to get the round in before the eagles play right it's all good there's an understanding there's a there's a definitely you know a lifeboat bond that yeah. you know the golf is hard and if you're having a bad hole let's pick it up and keep moving man and give it another chance you know we'll have another chance on the next one what are your thoughts about the gimme the gimme. I mean, the this gimme. is kind of in line with what we're thinking Ooh, about. Okay, yeah, philosophy and the gimme. <laughs> Sheesh, that's a that's a heavy one, man. Because, I mean, is that a marker of who you are as a person? You know, is it? You can learn a lot from somebody about in terms of what their gimme range is. Right. Um, I've heard you know uh, certain politicians giving themselves long long putts and. <laughs> When you think of sometimes politicians and their honesty, that makes sense, doesn't it? So yeah. is it a, is it a sign of virtue? Is it a sign of just um, congeniality? And I like, hey, hey, buddy, you're my friend. That's good. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to put you through the torture of of having to to make that that four footer. Um, wow, that's a really good one. And then you hear stories of people who are you know raised as my dad never let me take a gimme. Mm-hmm. In mind, I've never taken a gimme in my whole life, and I'm a better person for it. Um, and which I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm not from that school, and that was not my experience. Yeah. My dad was happy to let me pick it up, um, mm. whenever <laughs> if, if I begged enough. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think of the gimme? What does that What does that reveal about us? I mean, I'm dispositionally like pro gimme, done the right way. There's a mer- There's a mercy in it. There's a mercy in it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a mercy in it. There's a certain civil civility in it, yeah. depending on the type of game that you're playing. Because sometimes it's head games, like match play, like it's really serious match play. Mm-hmm. You know, match. Um, it could be head games. Yeah. Because you don't want the other player to have the satisfaction of holding out. But well, like I have a friend whose na- um, name I'm not going to use here. But if I'm going to match with Brendan and he <laughs> sees that, like, I've got one in just in that range. Yeah. He knows that I'm waiting for him to give it to me, so as a rule, he won't. Right. Because then he knows he's in my head. And right. instead of thinking about the putt, now I'm having this conversation, a philosophical one, mm-hmm. about right versus wrong, right. about the nature of friendship, Yeah. you know, that my head is now spinning. You're in the golfers and not... Right. I'm on not the I'm not on the course. Um I'm in the I'm in that different mindset. So um and and it usually works out to his his advantage. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot to the to the gimme. Can be abused, no doubt. I mean, we all know the abuses, but the abuses don't preclude the proper use, I think, you know. What would um Aristotle think of the gimme? I don't know. I mean, so he's about it could be Aristotle's about what? Excellence? Excellence as, as virtue, like virtue is excellence of character. Okay. And Right, so he, he uses all these images of like the good archer is the one that hits the target, right? right. So the, the the the, but then there are these like sub pursuits within these overarching pursuits. So like the bridal maker is a good bridal maker that makes the good bridal, but that's a subservient good to the good of horsemanship. Uh-huh. And so there's the good horseman. So we have all these sort of like sub goods that ultimately lead up to a greater good, and those are all within a constellation of the human pursuit of excellence as such which would be this pursuit of eudaimonia which is the well-lived life 
Okay. Uh, so it all kind of fits in like almost, almost maybe rushing nesting dolls is a good image. Um, so like the uh. virtue within golf is part of a larger life, which mm-hmm. could be virtue within the political sphere, which could be virtue within my life as such. And therefore, you know, if I do it all well, I can look back and I say I, I did it well and I'm, uh, I'm content and happy with my life. But golf's just one of the dolls. It's not the big doll. It's not the big doll. Yeah. Uh, see, sometimes I want to make it the big doll. And, and, I, and yeah. I, maybe I'm off the mark there. Right? Because a well-lived life at the end. Right. The disproportionate. Yeah. Like at the end of days when they put you in that box. Yeah. They'll say, yeah, he, you know, he could play stick, but he was an asshole. <laughs> right. uh, or he was an idiot. You know, right. so um the well-lived life is bigger is right. bigger than golf which is right. so, maybe hard for some of us to swallow mm. <laughs> right mm. but and, i think with, yeah. with the gimme you know with the aristotle question i think he has there's a virtue of magnanimity yeah and, and sort of bestowing upon others gifts uh but you could you can go too far right so the virtue the virtuous mean is, is sort of the the perfect pursuit of the good and then you have these excesses. You could be too such and such or too little such and such. Uh, you could be uh, too rash or you could be uh, you could be the coward or mm-hmm. you could be courageous. Now, here's the hard thing. Like the, the virtuous person is the standard for Aristotle. Okay. And so you got to kind of have a element of virtue to you to really be able to see properly because the, the cowardly person looks at the courageous person as rash. Oh, really? Yeah. And the rash person looks at the courageous person as a coward. So you got to have, that's why we need these exemplars, which is why golf, I think is really good at this, right? We look to personalities, people as sort of like models and there's something healthy in that or cautionary tales, Mm -hmm. you know, there's the mystique of Hogan. I mean, I don't think you or I could devote the hours on the range that Hogan did. Right. But there's something about his integrity, his, his courageous comeback sense of humility but he seems to have enjoyed life more as time went by Mm -hmm. maybe after the accident and then you know we i i i'm very happy that bryson dechambeau is on tour and in the public eye and i don't harbor any ill will toward him but i would never want to play golf like him right you know so yeah so who are the exemplars today of the uh geez i'm gonna throw rory out there as an exemplar yeah i am tell me about it because he says what he thinks. Mm-hmm. He says it intelligently, clearly. It's not all self-centered stuff either. He seems to have an awareness of the larger world around him, um, even the world that doesn't have to do with golf. His right. golf game, he can't slot, he can't slide that an ounce. No. He gets the absolute max out of a you know a body that's not a big dude. No. I mean, he's pretty jacked, but he's not obviously like yeah. Dustin Johnson large. Mm-mm. And um, gets everything he can out of the golf ball. Can hit all the golf shots. Seems to have a bit of humility. We've seen golf humble him certainly, right. um, and uh, and handles any any wins with grace. So I don't know. I mean, aside from the fact that when you go to Ireland, they tell you like, oh, he's an American now. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like the Irish stuff. God bless you, all my Irish friends. But you will find. A reason to complain about some good things sometimes, like Rory. Come on, give him a break. Right. Um, he married an American and he plays over here, so right. Um, maybe that's a blot on his escutcheon, but not for me. Uh, I so yeah, I think Rory. It's hard contemporary. You know, you think of Arnold Palmer right. certainly as as one, um, and as Rory uh, as one, but I don't know. Do you th- it, can you it, think of many others? 
it's interesting now with sort of the Instagram golf sphere, yeah. you know, that we get to know golfers that aren't like pro or like top, top notch pros. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you kind of get to get an insight into how different people view the game. Um, so that, you know, you could think of different people within there, uh, that venue. Uh, I don't know. I, I've always had an affinity for Tommy Fleetwood ah. when he was over here, when they were over here at Aronimic, you know, not too far away from where we now sit, you know, I was following him for a while. I mean, a lot of the year, my hair is longer, and I got it kind of flowing out the back of the cap, so okay. maybe that's part of it, just very, I don't know if that's shallow or says something. Uh, and just the fact that he gets, I mean, talk about Rory getting the most out of a body. Yeah, I mean, right. Tommy yeah. Fleetwood is getting a, a lot. I mean, the claw grip, I don't know, you a claw guy? You can't be an exemplar with the, with the claw <laughs> grip. Left hand low is as far as I'll go Okay. with that. I mean, I, I respect that. Yeah. There's something aesthetically unappealing about the claw grip right you know it, it, it it's called the claw it's an ugly name right yeah yeah it's an ugly grip i mean it might work and, and best to you but yeah i'm down on that uh, so tom but tommy could be something of an exemplar i don't know okay how about um the gimme thing i'm still spinning yeah, about yeah, because you know well, what can else i is say one, one yeah just one thing about the exemplars before we go back to the gimme yes. i think maybe this is what rubs people wrong about brooks is that he seems like he doesn't give a shit right even though people have gone to lengths to show that he really does care mm-hmm. but at the same time you're like ah, dude do you really care about this game that i care about and i think I, he does but he gives off that air is like screw this i'm gonna go i don't know do something else right now and lift some weights or yeah you know, go to the batting cage or whatever he can't be an exemplar yeah i don't think that. he's an exemplar no because he doesn't seem um as as lost in this as we are right um now djs i don't know I, I i don't get the same sense from dj as i do from brooks that like dj seems to have a more pure love of the game but that's from very far away from is the there Johnson. virtue what kind of non-golf virtue is involved in the exemplar category not that dj has any blots on his discussion but um sometimes uh yeah, I don't know. I, I, I look at like the Rory example mm-hmm. as um, being sort of uh, more of an example intellectually, more, maybe morally, etc. Not that DJ is, is amoral. Yeah, but you mentioned just, his honesty. Rory's honesty and forth. forth that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like that's that stands out to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Want, I want Sam Snead's swing. I don't want his life though. That's for sure. Right. You right. know. Um, extracurriculars and whatnot yeah hey and and no no slate to dj but you just might not be an exemplar maybe not for me yeah um but i was just thinking about the gimme again yeah the yes there is something magnanimous about that you should bestow gifts um but, but what's your motive right what's the what motive and does it cheapen the game right like, does it make it, t- it golf's meant to be hard and i think we need to come to grips with that mm. like Indeed. golf is meant to be hard let's not widen the hole i mean I mean, I'm not against, like, I mean, there's something to, I was actually reading in, in, in uh, Mackenzie's um, Spirit of St. Andrews, he was calling for a, a limitation to be placed on the golf ball. Oh, yeah. Even that's day. that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but um, so back to the gimme, like, so golf is meant to be hard, right? Yeah. And we need to, we need to allow it to be hard. And that's part of the satisfaction we get from it when we do the thing that we, we, we hope we, we will do. So is the gimme cheapening the endeavor? And again, this is sort of like, I think with Aristotle's ethics, you get a sense that you have to have this certain amount of uh, moral nimbleness. Like you just got to know in the moment, 
like what the right thing to do then is. And mm. that's not sort of this wishy-washy relativistic thing. It's like you have a sense that, you know, I ought to give the gimme here or I ought to make him putt it out, you know, and, and grind over it. Uh, that's why the, I think the vision of the athlete or the jazz musician is really good for Aristotle's ethics. You know, the, the, the jazz band just, just sort of freewheeling and riffing on each other is great for the moral life. You just sort of, you have a sense that they're excellent at their craft, but there's nothing prescribed in what they're doing, right? And they just know how to play off of each other and, and what the right move is at the moment. And you, you can sense a certain dissonance in times and you try to alleviate that. So I think like the gimme game is sort of like that. Like if it gets too freewheeling, you get a sense that like, we're, we're, we're cheapening the game here to a degree, right? Yeah. If you give too many birthday mulligans, here's your one. You have it. Breakfast ball, sure. But you can't have like a, a second breakfast ball, even if you're in the Shire. Wow. You know. What if I have lunch at the turn? Lunch ball? I mean, are you, are you hosting? I don't know. Are you, have you paid for my round? Then <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what about people that are just straight up full of shit? That like... Want gimmies blitzed on the course, <laughs> or that, yeah, <laughs> or people that are just they want gimmies because they want to tell you that they shot seventy eight when they couldn't shoot seventy eight in, in in their life, or on the other end of the spectrum, the sandbaggers who right. who are full of shit, um, right. who are in their mind for some reason. There's something going on in their mental chemistry. Like does does Aristotle or does does is the philosophy that accounts for the fact that some people are just straight up bad and dishonest and don't have the can can cheat or can be stupid about gimmies or, or whatever uh without and justifying it to themselves right without realizing uh without feeling like they've done anything wrong right what's that where does that nonsense come from and how does that fit into a virtuous life i guess it's not virtuous but what if i it's think not. i'm being virtuous I'm being ver like I'm giving you this twenty footer because I'm a great dude, right? And because I want you to give me mine too, right? Because you know it's good, good, right? Yeah, what, what? Yeah, right. Good, good. That's really just selfish. Sheesh. Yeah. Yeah. So here we're we're dealing with like, I mean, from the sort of the the, the 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 higher level, like how seriously should we take golf? Do we take it too seriously? Do we not take it seriously enough? I think it's good to carry our, our seriousness with a, with a certain levity, which I think we're doing, right? Because mm -hmm. that is a serious thing, that you would be willing to sort of be a corrosive presence to this great game. And you don't got to be an overly stuffy sort of old fuddy-duddy to, like, respect the honor of the game right. and, the and what you're doing, or else why are you out there if you're not actually, like, uh, doing it with integrity? And I think Aristotle does have a sense that, like, you can totally delude yourself. You can become a, a certain type of character that you view the world wrongly. Right. Like, so, and, yeah. and I think, like, there's this image in, that the sick person doesn't taste things the right way because mm. they're sick in the moment, mm -hmm. right? And that's sort of, you know, a little image of what we could be like when we're morally sick. Like, we just don't see things the right way. Yeah. And that's why the exemplars are so good or sort of, you know, that you, you see the virtuous person. You're like, well, I really don't see things the way that she does. Yeah. But I do admire her. So maybe I need to change something about myself. So the guy that's given away the 20 foot gimmies goes into a group that needs to see the game play. The, he needs to see the game play the right way. And Aristotle has this image. He has this image of, of sort of like the bent stick or imagine like a warp two by four. Um, 
if you if, if if it's warped to the right as you're looking at it as you hold it and you want to make it you know more straight you're gonna have to bend it back to the left like mm-hmm. you're gonna have to sort of be overly uh right constrictive of yourself yeah. for a little while um and then you can kind of let it go and it'll go back to sort of like it'll come back to something closer to straight uh and that's a hard process right yeah but golf is a venue within which you can sort of train yourself or allow the game to train you in in honesty and you say today today i'm not gonna fudge my score i gotta i triple bogey that hole right um and i like the idea of okay maybe the exemplars maybe they're not on the pga tour right that's what's cool that golf you get to go out and play with oftentimes strangers and go out and meet people who are playing a game by certain rules and trying to do the best they can or, or whatever that you just meet a lot of people in golf that I look to as models. Um, you know, there's one we've had on this podcast. You can go back and listen to Jimmy Dunn. That's 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 an exemplar for me. Mm-hmm. The way that he treats people and the way that he thinks of the 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 the, the perspective that he has on life is is one that is I find inspiring. So um, so there's an exemplar. It doesn't necessarily have to be um, be a player. No, and you know what's interesting? I mean, the fact that we have caddies in places at times mm. and how a person will interact with his or her caddy is, is kind of interesting and revealing yeah. of who the person is and how I think it's really, is this is another venue of golf or a little, little, little subsection of golf. I think it's fascinating. Like this relationship with the caddy right? and, and how you conceive of that endeavor. And sometimes it's this joint thing, right? You're, you're, you're not master and, servant right you know you're yeah she's carrying your bag he's carrying your bag but he he's a big reason why you just birdied that hole yeah you know and it's this joint endeavor so that at the end of the 18th hole you shake the caddy's hand with as much heartfelt gratitude as your playing partner no doubt about it um but at the same time to your point from earlier like there are people that can be total dicks to their caddies right you know and that's sort of a, a, a revelatory moment um and not the virtuous life not the virtuous life so i want to know what you think if we i want to match up players and philosophers all right all right it's challenging like golf but i'm up for it i think so i'll throw out some names maybe you can give out some names and this way we can make you know Philosophy, which is a very intimidating subject, maybe feel a little more immediate and see it, you know, at work. Love it. And the, in the PJ tour that we watch. Um, Tiger Woods. Match him up with a, with a Philo, which is what we call it in the business. <laughs> All right. So, so Tiger, I, I got, I got a reason, a couple of reasons for this. We'll, we'll match him with Aristotle. You got to. Yeah. Cause he w- Tiger was golf for two solid decades, right. and to a degree, still is. Still, yeah, right. So in the Middle Ages, Aristotle was referred to as the philosopher. Is that right? You didn't need anything more than that. When people said the philosopher says, you know, this guy's talking about Aristotle. No way! <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it was the he got the article. Yeah, he Way was the philosopher. Aristotle. So the goat, the philosopher. Um, and I think Tiger shows you sort of an Aristotelian ethic in play, both good and bad. Okay. You know, pursuit of excellence, maybe disharmonious with the true good of the fullness of human life and how that can lead to 
disharmonies and excesses elsewhere mm. you know oh, both physical and indeed. then the personal you know the back leads to the surgeries which leads to the you know yeah we know, we know the story um yet still admirable um and aristotle i think had his own personal foibles as well he doesn't follow through um with the example of socrates who stays in athens even to his death Aristotle's threatened. He knows that people are out for him, and he actually flees Athens, saying that he doesn't want Athens to commit the greatest sin against philosophy twice. Paraphrasing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, there's something there, and there's something hierarchical and sort of aristocratic about Aristotle and Tiger. You know, he he's a golf aristocrat, though from humble beginnings and. Um, yeah, so I'll match him with Aristotle. Yeah, he's top of the food chain, no doubt yeah. about it. How about our friend Phil? Phil's tough because he's such like, I don't know what he is right now. Right? He shows us some, a lot of different sides, a lot of different shades. A lot of different sides, and I hope people don't take this the wrong way off the bat, but off the club face. But uh, I'm gonna give him with I'm gonna put him with Friedrich Nietzsche. Yeah. And this is this Nietzsche is, is peachy. Yeah, clearly. You can see it in his photos. <laughs> Fun guy. I need Phil to grow out the mustache that Nietzsche had. Right. Not that I think Phil's going to go bonkers um, or lose his mind. Although, wouldn't be entirely surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I love Phil. But he's like so many things. And I think he has this, he seems to have this drive to make something great of his life beyond golf. Although he has that and he mm -hmm. has done that, right? But he's just this this, this vibrant thriving personality and i think for nietzsche he's sort of like you know the world has no inherent meaning your life has no inherent meaning so it's up to you to make it meaningful hmm. and it's it's a it's it's a real onus put on the person to make the most of life and make your life great and so you could get very judgmental of those that don't sort of these these last men of nietzsche and you want to be the, the uber man you want to be the great man so I'm not giving all of that to Phil, but Phil definitely has this. He's got he the was Uber the calves, man. the Uber Mensch calves. Well, those calves are right? definitely Uber Mensch. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That's really good. Um, uh, someone like, and then some other ones, and I asked you to come up with some as well. Mm -hmm. um, what about someone like, like a Ricky Fowler? So Ricky seems like a gentleman. Real gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. Class act. Past the orange, thankfully. Yeah, he's moved on. He's you know, he's got a kid now. You can't Yeah. You gotta But I'm gonna put him with Confucius. Confucius. Confucius has That's this ideal of the gentleman. Yeah. And the gentleman that is able to sort of conduct his affairs properly. And the facial hair at times with Ricky is Confucian. <laughs> so... Confucian in quality. <laughs> That's a good point. You know, I like that. He does it, you know, yeah, as uh, he just he's like one a guy you can't say a bad word about, you know, mm -hmm. he, he, yeah, aside from being in too many commercials, yeah, too many commercials, but I, but I, mean, otherwise, I don't blame him if no. you know, I had his bank account, I'd be doing commercials too, exactly. But there's something about his game recently, too, where you know, he, he's sticking with it, he's doing his best, you know, he's obviously struggling, mm -hmm. uh, but I think he's trying to pursue that sense of, of excellence, you know, of goodness. And uh, it's admirable. Yeah, and it hasn't ma made him unpleasant or 
um, a sort of villainous figure. Mm-mm. He's he's handled it with a lot of class and grace. So yeah, I like that one. How about Jordan? His uh, yeah. So Jordan, he just seems at times to hang in the balance between like perfection and peace and rest, and then just being totally lost mm-hmm. and restless. And uh, so I'm gonna give him Augustine of Hippo. Ah, you know the famous, well-known line. You know, you've made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So there's this sense in Jordan, I think, of restlessness. I think Augustine had this sense, like he knew in his life from his own experience, that like we oftentimes he's sort of like this early existentialist character. Like we hang in the balance between nothingness and fullness, like all the time. We we just don't realize it. Yeah, you know. Um, and so <laughs> Jordan says, "Games sometimes seem he's seems felt to that. go from the nothing to the something rather quickly." He's he's walked that line. He's lived that. Yeah, I love that one. That's fantastic. Um, we didn't do Bryson, did we? We didn't do Bryson yet, and we yeah, should. We and I have two for Bryson. Okay. Again, I love that Bryson DeChambeau exists, and that he's a golfer and he's on the PGA Tour for sure. It's fascinating. So I'm gonna give him two. I'm gonna give him. Descartes, and I'm gonna give him. Um, I'm gonna give him Kierkegaard. Ooh. So I don't That's know how many people have seen. That's spicy stuff right spicy. there. I know. Two Matt. for Bryson. I don't know how many people have seen this video. I think I think it may have been during the Ryder Cup in Paris. There's this video from afar of Bryson on the range, and I think someone's like putting captions or dubbing it over as like referring to Bryson as the artist, and ah. he's just like <laughs> losing his shit. <laughs> with his team on the range <laughs> and he just can't get it right and he's like you just see it it's like this tragic comedy and so he's got this sort of Kierkegaardian like what is it all for moment like his life you know well, we gotta yeah. live it authentically but like we the stakes are so high <laughs> he did it like, with his driver the, the, you know he loses yeah once he'll have these moments yeah. that, that that are hard for people to stomach that people that want to like him and then suddenly they'll, they'll do something yeah. like that but then, so the Descartes, Descartes after sure knowledge, okay. like his whole, ah, okay. his whole method called methodological doubt is, is that you're going to just doubt everything. He's in this moment of, of great skepticism in, in the Western world of like wondering how we can know anything at all. Right. And he wants to arrive at sure knowledge. He's definitely a scientific type guy. And so he's like, all right, let's just start from the beginning. Doubt everything. Mm. Like just mm-hmm. s- everything right and from there try to arrive at sure knowledge and so that's where the whole i think therefore i am stuff comes from it's not it's not that you think yourself into being it's that you it's unavoidable to conclude that you exist because you're thinking about whether or not you exist (laughs) right Right, right. (laughs) so you can't not exist even if it's just you (laughs) and tom coin isn't here and i'm not in in the golfist it's just me in my mind yeah. I, at least I know I exist in some way, shape, or form. And he proceeds from there to to acknowledge the outer world, to acknowledge God, to acknowledge other people. But that's where he starts. It's like Bryson, to me, seems like he's just searching for certainty. Uh, uh, yes. All that number stuff. Yeah. I yeah. love when we get the audio of that. Like, yeah. I have no effing idea what you guys are talking about, <laughs> but I love that I have no freaking clue. So that's a, a, a pursuit of certainty. You know, and so that's why I would give him Descartes as well. That is spot on, brilliant. Um, you said you had one for Harry Higgs. Listen, I, I love Harry Higgs. Who doesn't? And I I love jolly men and and women that are, that love food and and the good life. Yes, 
you know, eat well, play good golf. Life is too short know? to be skinny. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know? And I mean, Harry's not like, he, he looks healthy to me. You sure. Know? But, he, sure. but he's, he's a good sized man. Yeah. Same with Thomas Aquinas, turns out. Is that right? That's right. So uh, great. He enjoyed the, uh, the the fine things in he, life? He, he was very Aristotelian. He knew that you needed to eat well, not too much, not too little, very Goldilocks, okay. you know. But he was known for being a larger fellow, Okay. but happy, excellent what he did, one of the greats. And, um, you know, I don't know if their theology aligns, but at least in their, their size <laughs> and their enjoyment of life. Love it. I think, hey, I, anyone could compare me anytime uh, to to either Harry Higgs. Yeah, I'm down with either. Or, yeah. Or I, yeah, exactly. Um, interesting one, Abraham Answer. Abraham Answer seems like he's having an awful time on the golf course. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but from appearances, he looks like he hates his job. There's there's <laughs> moments. There's moments. I think. I mean, he's great. I, I mean, we saw him over for the, here for the BMW. I'm watching him tee off. I'm like, you're that small and you hit the ball that far. That's amazing. Uh, that's, yeah. And he does crack smiles. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm overdoing it. But there are times where he seems like he's not having a great time on the sure. golf course. So I'm gonna give him Schopenhauer, who has a really dour view of of life as suffering. Okay. And it's nonetheless consoling that everyone's suffering. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can do your part to alleviate another suffering but at the end of the day the the, the buzzword for life is suffering <laughs> so awesome um and, and well hey as golfers we're all suffering yeah. um in our own ways uh interesting one what about uh trevino so lee trevino obviously hilarious great player golfers journal had one of it, one of the early articles was on i think his money games I believe you're right. And, and how absurdly enjoyable and crazy they were. Mm -hmm. But I, I imagine him with a stogie in his mouth. So I'm going to line him up with a British philosopher, uh, Elizabeth Anscombe, who was probably one of the greatest philosophers of the 20th century, definitely uh, one of the greatest women philosophers of all time. And she was, she didn't take any shit, and, but she could be like really, you know, kind of warm at the same time. Married, had like eight kids what was like a big name though at cambridge like debated c.s lewis and kind of corrected him on a certain point of one of his, oh, of, his really? the, of his theories regarding miracles and the natural world and all this but she would sit there at, on you know the debate stage or, or the lecture stage with a stogie no way and just like told you like she saw it and like could do it in an enjoyable way um so so a larger than life kind of character yeah so i want to put trevino and anscombe together outstanding that's a, that's excellent and then well we'll finish it off in the world of architecture uh one of the greats alistair mckenzie so if you read uh some of mckenzie on, on what makes for a good golf hole it's very utilitarian mm -hmm. right you want to you want to make for the the greatest amount of enjoyment or pleasure for the greatest number of golfers you know that that's sort of i mean it makes sense given his place right. and time and you know you know england uk is sort of like the, the, that's where utilitarianism finds its legs and really develops itself um yet at the same time mckenzie is concerned about beauty he wants to make beautiful golf holes mm -hmm. so and utilitarians try to account for beauty i don't think it works because they do it in their sort of truncated utilitarian terms but he had a sense you know there's something transcendent about the game even though you want to 
maximize pleasure for the maximum amount of, of, of players. So there's something deeply utilitarian there. So he'll go along with uh, John Stuart Mill, uh, one of the founders of uh, modern utilitarianism. Hey, it's great company for Mr. McKenzie. It is. And for Mill. Maybe more for Mill than McKenzie. Well, it might be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but that's a name we, we all remember from Philosophy 101, mm-hmm. which is nice. Another one that, you know, Epictetus, for me, yeah. is the golf, the patron philosopher yes. of golf. And, or, and by extension, maybe Marcus Aurelius. Right. The Stoics, man. Yeah. You got golf is about acceptance. Correct. You know, so if Bob Rotella, if you want to boil down that, the, the sort of, well, God, all mental coaching is, mm-hmm. is, is very stoic in nature where it's like control what you can control. Right. You know, and you got to let the rest go and get on to the next shot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if you want to, for my money, if you want to read some philosophy um, that's going to maybe help your golf game, uh, some stoicism. Yeah. Right? No doubt. And it's accessible. It's accessible, too. Yeah. They're concerned about living life here and now, not getting caught up in the clouds and, and all of that. Yeah. Right? So I agree with the Stoics on, on that front. Um, it's interesting, though, with like maybe like Marcus Aurelius, you wonder, like, how did you view the world? Was it truly a good place or are you just making the best of a bad deal? Mm. So I think stoicism with delight is a good recipe for the golfer. Stoicism with delight. Happy stoicism, bright stoicism, mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. Um, bang on. That's good. Or is there a philosopher, is, is there a philosophy to you uh, that stands out as most useful for the shaving of strokes? Because let's let's be honest, everyone's just listening to this thing to try and figure out <laughs> yeah, that's right. if they can uh, the play a little edge? better. How can I, how can I, how can I get better at this game? Yeah, I mean, as far as like, hmm. I think there's something where you have to get a, a certain mode of philosophy that it's not just thinking a whole bunch of thoughts. It's being methodical and intentional with how you conduct your life with the mind. As as an embodied person, um, so what am I trying to, I'm just trying to say there that you don't want to get overly analytic you want to deal with things as they ought to be dealt with i think that's very aristotelian you deal with each discipline in the proper way math is done differently than history it is done differently than than literature right so treat mm-hmm. golf as it's as it ought to be treated it's not a, it's not a calculus problem it's not painting it's 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 its own thing and so i would want to think about golf the way it ought to be thought about in different venues like we're, we're like i never think about any of this stuff on the first tee no that's a recipe know. for right. like right total top of the ball or just yeah. wipey fade city but if in your life you're pursuing yeah. aristotelian goals yeah i think isn't that going to carry over into your golf yeah i think so i think aristotle's a place to go that's a very long-winded way of arriving about to the guy that i've been talking about and why not because they called him the philosopher man that's right you know it starts and ends the g the goat um <laughs> that's right. we'll give we'll give that to, to aristotle matt this Although, is so much for, uh, i'm yes, sorry no I just give me more give uh, me yeah more. before yeah so maybe I should go back. I'll revise my answer. So modern school of philosophy is called phenomenology, which the tagline in the early 20th century was go back to the things themselves. And so one of the problems they saw was that maybe with someone like Immanuel Kant, like with Kant, it's sort of like we impose our thought categories on the world. Mm -hmm. And like we make the world, the world fits our mental categorizations. And that's rather opaque at times and and sort of is impositional on the world. 
Whereas I think phenomenology is about the world revealing itself to us in our consciousness and sort of having a more receptive posture. Mm-hmm. And I think people have developed it within the past century in, in, in the direction of, of love. Um, and I think golf, we have to admit, we haven't said it yet, but we love it. We love it. And it, re- and I think to the lover, mysteries reveal themselves as they don't to non-lovers. You know what I'm saying? Like golf to the non-golfer is so ridiculous. Right. But golf to the lover of golf just makes so much sense because it's revealed itself to us. And right. we can put words to it, but we know it in our consciousness. It's re- it's revealed itself. It's revealed itself to us and shows us things about ourselves. So maybe this phenomenological disposition of, of receptivity and just sort of allowing things to unfold before you rather than trying to impose my thought categories onto the game um, in sort of this uh, artificial way. Um, yeah. Damn. I got some reading to do, Matt. So do I. My reading list just got longer. Good. <laughs> Over here reading about, you know, positions in my backswing and whatnot, and I got to get I gotta get my phenomenology on. Well, I'm very worried about the phenomenology of my uh, – the turn, my turn. I need to get a better you know, yeah. turn to the right side. So right. I need to study that myself. Indeed. So much to learn in this life. And you and you never and we're never gonna perfect it. Mm-mm. And that's okay, as long as we're pursuing excellence. So we pursued a little excellence today, Matt. Can't thank you enough. That was so much fun. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Appreciate You're the man. It.